wants to try my 18-layer dip. It's got beans, cheese, bird seed, guac, chocolate chip. One warning, if you're allergic to uh, peanuts or bee stings, I wouldn't eat it. What are you talking about? Who the hell are you talking to? Charlie Blackman is the batting champion, more like the ugly champion. If God doesn't like the Broncos, then why is the sky blue and the sunsets orange? Welcome to the All Colorado Everything Sports Podcast. This is Ace, your one-stop shop for your Colorado sports brief. I'm your host, Matt Kennedy. Happy Friday, y'all. The weekend is nearly upon us. And back-to-back shows yesterday and today. Yesterday, we talked with Zach Stevens from DNVR Broncos as we break down the Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs game tomorrow. But today on the show, we are talking some Colorado Buffaloes with the voice of the Buffaloes, Mark Johnson. But before we bring Mark in, let's go ahead and catch you up on the world of CU Athletics, especially men's basketball, which is coming off a very important 83-78 win over Washington State last night inside the CU Event Center. Mark was on the call. The Buffs, who were playing their first game in 19 days, improved to 10-3 and overall in 2-1 and in Pac-12 play to help Coach Tad Boyle celebrate his 59th birthday. Happy belated birthday, Mr. Tad Boyle. Senior Evan Batty led the way with 20 points. Alongside him was Jabari Walker, who had 16 all in the second half. He went 0 for 4 in the first. He had 8 rebounds as well. And then Keyshawn Bartholomew, who also had 16 points. And then Tristan De Silva chipped in 10 of his own. Very nice to see Jabari Walker getting active again after he played only 4 minutes and scored a 0 points against CSU Bakersfield, CSU's last game. Feels like forever ago. He played 28 minutes last night, shot 64% from the floor, and also, like I said, grabbed 8 of those rebounds. Bartholomew, who also had 16, he was very active. It was nice to see him scoring points again because, remember, he averaged more than 20 points per game in the first three games of the season. He struggled since then, including a six-game run where he only made one three-pointer in 21 attempts. We also mentioned Evan Batty, and Mark's going to say in a second, probably the best three-point shooter on the entire CU roster. He led the way with 20 points last night against Washington State off of only eight shots, which is just stupidly consistent and efficient. He's a steady hand for the Buffs and helped close the game down the stretch. Not a pretty game for Tad Boyle's team, and he will be the first person to tell you that, but a win is a win nonetheless. They'll have another chance to clean up some of those wrinkles as they take on Washington on Sunday, who is 6 and 6 on the year and most recently started the new year with a loss against Arizona, but then rebounded last night in Salt Lake City with a 74-68 win over the Utah Utes on the road. Now, we will talk basketball with Mark, but I want to point out one thing because we have missed this in the last couple of weeks, but the CU Buffs football team, they're struggling right now because of the transfer portal, but it's not just them. It is the entire NCAA, and Mark's going to explain his frustrations with it because there are so many things going on with the NCAA transfer portal. The most recent three CU starters in Mark Perry, Christian Gonzalez, and then most notably, Brendan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice. He's the most recent one to enter the, the the portal and then hopefully make the decision to come back to see you it is possible but it's not necessarily always likely but some of these athletes they go they leave and then they're left without a home even if they are full scholarship players doesn't mean that there's a home form on the other side the grass isn't always greener so with that let's go ahead and bring in mark johnson the voice of the cu buffs to talk some cu buffaloes here on a c e all righty, well, joining me with this cowboy hat and all, of course, uh, the one and only Mark Johnson, the voice of the CU Buffs. Mark, first and foremost, uh, how's it going and Happy New Year? Well, uh, always good to be on with you, and uh, it's good to have uh, 2022 underway. And, and heck, we've got a college basketball game under our belt since the ca- calendar flipped, so we're all feeling pretty good about things right now. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mark, I want to talk basketball with you, but we'll we'll be here in just a second because CU got off to a huge win last night against Washington State. Yep. But first, in the middle of some postponements in the holiday break for basketball, the football offseason is already in full swing. And there has been three starters that have declared they're entering the transfer portal in the last couple of weeks. Mark Perry, the safety, Chris Gonzalez, that corner, and then most the most notable one, wide receiver Brendan Rice, um, who was the most recent one, I think it was like January 1st to start the new year. Mark, we know CU has had some great success in the recruiting process in the last couple of seasons, dating back to Mel Tucker's time. Now that the transfer portal decisions are the new normal in college football, what does CU have to do to keep their guys to stay within the program, to see longevity and success within the program? Well, man, I, I think the question you ask is, is not necessarily a CU program. If you're kind of following the portal right now, it's a college football question. I mean, it's been a few days since I checked. And the last I saw, there are over 3,000 players have jumped into the portal. This is the new normal for college football right now. You know, I, I think this will kind of wane and, and taper off as time goes on here. But, it's, you know, it's kind of new. Last year it, it was available, but it was a COVID year and kind of an odd, odd year. So now we're kind of getting back to some normal circumstances and seeing what's happening out there. And, and I've got grave concerns about this. Rick George, the athletic director at CU, just had a press briefing yesterday and was talking about what's happened with not only the portal but the NIL and how it's being used right. and, and what's happening with enticements and those kind of things. I think this is a dangerous, dangerous point right now for college athletics overall. Now, here's here's number one, my concern. Uh, I mentioned over 3,000 players. I think in the FBS level, it's about 15 to 1,700, somewhere in there. That works out to be about an average of 11 or 12 student athletes jumping into the portal per school. So it's not just a, a Colorado issue. And CU fans have right to be frustrated with the fact that Brendan Rice and Christian Gonzalez and Mark Perry, three starters, have jumped in there. But, you know, we just saw the starting quarterback at Oklahoma jump yeah. in. I've seen there's been all conference, all SEC linebackers that have jumped in and, and, you know, all Big Ten secondary players have jumped in. So it's happening all over the place. What's concerning to me is the fact that these young men are jumping into the abyss and don't necessarily have a landing spot. And the last time I checked on the numbers, somewhere around 60% of players who have gone to the portal have not found a new home. Now, the vast majority of these young men are leaving with a full-ride scholarship. They walk away from that. They jump into the portal, not necessarily because, you know, for, for reasons other than the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and end up don't having a landing spot, which means they don't get their school paid for, and puts their education in, obviously, in, in jeopardy in some respects. And, you know, I've, I've heard the arguments that people have, have said, well, if, you know, if, if coaches can leave, well, why can't players? Well, sure. That's an apples and oranges issue, Matt, because when a coach jumps someplace, and believe me, I've got my issues, and I've been very vocal about the hypocrisy of coaches selling yeah. the family narrative right. when they recruit, and then they leave all of a sudden, head out the back door and go take another job. Right. They've got a landing spot. They've got a contract they're going to jump into in another school. Players don't have that. They're jumping out and maybe not having a spot to land. And so I think ultimately – uh, wisdom will rise in this circumstance. And as time goes on and players really get a sense of it, you're not going to see as many players jumping into the portal. And I think that'll be the smart thing. I've always said, Matt, that, you know, if there's something uh, unethical, immoral, extreme going on within your circumstance, you bet, get out and find yourself a better set of uh, circumstances. I'm just not sure that's the case all the time. I think a lot of times it's, well, maybe I'm not getting the playing time I want. I can go someplace else and maybe get a better opportunity. And so they're jumping to greener pastures, and I'm not sure that's a, a wise thing to do. And, and we're just kind of seeing that. It's a whole brand-new process. We'll see it outwork yep. in the next couple of years. But with Brendan Rice, the passing game for CU hasn't been as strong as it needed to be. He was a second-leading sure. receiver behind a tight end, which isn't always the necessary case for a wide receiver if they want to get decent playing time and then become draft eligible. So – 
there's a lot of factors that go into it, but we'll see how it plays out within the next couple of years. Mark, last night, the Buffs switching from football to basketball, they played their first game since December 18th, nearly 20 days without, uh, without going um, with a game. It's the first game of the remaining Pac-12 schedule. We thought it was initially going to be a pair of games against Oregon and Oregon State. Those games were postponed due to COVID. We're still in 2020, apparently. Despite the time off and the setbacks, a uh, five-point win over Washington State that saw the emergence of players like Jabari Walker, uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, uh, two vital players that will succeed, hopefully, um, in order for this team to succeed. They did so last night, despite some sloppy play, which can be expected after missing 19 to 20 days of basketball. Yep. Yeah, without question. And I figured we'd see some rust. In fact, not only had the Buffaloes missed almost three weeks, but Wazoo had been off 15 days, or three weeks, I said, and, uh, you know, almost three, yeah, three weeks on the 20 days. But Wazoo had been off for 15 days, so they've been off a couple of weeks as well. So I expected some sloppy play. What really surprised me, man, about that game was Washington State has one of the uh, top 30 defense in the country. Their defensive numbers were outstanding. And yet Colorado went out and shot 51% in the game, scored 83 points in that game. And did some very good things offensively. Had 17 assists on 29 field goals. Those are all fantastic numbers. Shot a decent percentage from three. Uh, got to the free throw line. So did a lot of good things on the offensive end. And, and I think that's uh, something that I think Buffs fans need to glean onto and, and, and really take as maybe a positive sign after all the work they did during right. that three week head off. Because remember, before the break, that offense. Wasn't doing uh, much uh, uh, game in and game out. In fact, I had a number last night I, I used during the broadcast. The first seven games of the season, if memory serves, Colorado was scoring 79 points per ball game. The last five, I think they had scored about 63 or 64, yes. right in that area. And so the numbers had been down. So seeing what they did offensively, I thought was a good sign for Colorado last night. Well, they're up to 71 points per game, right alongside what they'll face against on Sunday, Washington. But to close out the game against Washington State, it was uh, pretty close, but the two scholarship seniors, Evan Batty and Eli Parkett, they helped seal the win for the team. Batty led the way yep. with 20 points off of only eight field goal attempts. Very, very efficient. And um, we know that he's always been a consistent and efficient basketball player, a very uh, steady hand for CU. And as it continued to go on, you know, Tad Boyle is going to be relying on him, as especially considering, you know, the, the ups and downs that CU has been facing this year. Yeah, without question. I mean, Evan's never been a high-volume shooter, and he's not going to be with his skill set and his position, but he's always been a very efficient shooter, all right? And so, you know, he's a guy that's going to shoot 55% from the field. And right now, you could make the case, I think, Matt, that Evan Batty's the best three-point shooter on the team. Sure. Uh, last night, he was, I think, two for three, as I recall. And, uh, you know, and, and Tad was telling me, in fact, um, last night when we sat down before the game and did our pregame stuff, he was saying that I was asking about some of the stuff about shooting and what you guys worked on. And, what you, and he says, Evan's numbers have been blistering over the last three weeks since they've been off. And so Evan's done a good job of developing that shot over the course of his career. Uh, he's he's a, just a, such a solid guy in that lineup. You know, it, there, there might be a lot of question marks with all the youth on that basketball team. One of the things you don't question very often is Evan Batty, right? He's going to go out and give you his – you know, 12, 13, 14 points, get you six, seven rebounds somewhere in there. He's going to shoot over 50%. He's not going to turn the ball over. And that's why he's such a – he's going to go down as one of my favorite buffs of all time because of, of number one, his personality, what kind yeah. of human being. But he's such a solid, um, just just reliable guy on that team. And that's why I'm part of the reason we love him. And then the game coming up on Sunday against Washington, CU Event Center Buffaloes are 3-7 and seven in the prior 10 matchups against the Huskies. But two of those wins have come within the last three games. Washington, 500, 6-6. Six six. They have the second-worst team shooting percentage in the Pac-12 this year. CU has the fourth-best. We kind of talk about that. And then they're sitting right around 71 points per game. Both teams are. This game could go either way, but CU may have that advantage, riding a win, also playing under the comfort of the CU Event Center. 
Yeah, I'd have to think so. I mean, Washington's been up and down. Now, you know, the win they had last night, winning at Salt Lake City. In fact, I think what the Utes had about a 14 or 15-point lead at one point in time, but the Huskies were able to come back. Um, and so yeah, they're a talented team, but they've had their inconsistencies as well. And, and so both teams have kind of been dealing with that. Let, let's hope that what we saw last night for the Buffs is a harbinger of things to come for Colorado. You find some answers on the offensive end. Defense has been solid to relatively solid, I think, uh, through the course of this season. That was uh, certainly the case at times last night. So well, let's hope that we're, we're seeing a young team growing up. We knew with this squad, and Ted and I talked about it a lot early in the season. He kept telling me, Mark, we're going to get better all year long. Now, a lot of teams will do that. But when you got a veteran team like Colorado did a year ago, you know, you got a lot of seniors out there. You know what that team is, and, and they're going to play at a very high level. This young team, we expected to get better and better and better through, you know, November and December and January now into February when we get there. And then and then hopefully you're playing your best basketball uh, in March as this team grows up a little bit. I, that's why I'm so I'm so bullish on, on Colorado basketball right now. I, I, I know it's frustrating at times. I know they can scare you. They can drive you crazy because of the inconsistencies and they, they make some youthful mistakes. But I'm bullish because, number one, Tad Bulls leading it. Number two, they're very talented. And number three, this team's going to continue to get better uh, game in and game out, week in and week out. And, and that's why I'm really excited about to see what this group's able to do as it moves forward. Absolutely, Mark. And I know they won't play this year, but last question for you. Uh, CSU is one of the only three teams left in NCAA that is undefeated. In a game yep. right now, who takes the win, CSU or CU? Rocky Mountain Showdown. Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, because all the things I just talked about with Colorado being as talented as they are. But listen, uh, the big guy inside, there, Roddy, he might be the best college basketball player in the state of Colorado right now. Yeah. I mean, I, is, I think he's out. He's relentless when you watch him. They've got a very good team. And conversely, from Colorado being young, they've got a lot of veteran guys on that team. And uh, I, I won't say, listen, I'm not going to say that the, the Buffs won't win that game. I'm just going to say it's going to be a heck of a college basketball game if they would have played this year, Absolutely. especially if they, you know, not being in the same conference, not going to happen. If they met late in the year, I think that would be awful fun to see when Colorado grows up a little bit. But I give full respect to the Rams right now. They're playing very good basketball. Maybe in the tournament, maybe the bars will be packed. Maybe the two will play there each other. We'll have to see. But uh, Mark, thanks so much. And as always, we appreciate the time. You bet, man. Anytime. As always, thank you so, so much to the Cowboy Mark Johnson for joining us today on All Colorado Everything. Make sure and listen to his call tomorrow on 850 KOA News Radio for CU against Washington. That game is set for 3 p.m. Mountain Time. You can also watch it on ESPN2. As for today, that is all she wrote. Have a fantastic weekend. Broncos, Chiefs tomorrow, Buffs, and Huskies on Sunday. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down, maybe recap the Broncos season, and then we'll see if Vic Fangio and the Broncos coaching staff are still employed. Come Black Monday morning. Have a good weekend, y'all. We'll see you guys then. Peace.